Welcome to Unit 28 of Latin 3 from the Church of St. Agnes. Today we have a series of grammatical uh, structures that are important but not very difficult. So if you take a look on uh, page 243, Unit 28, um, you'll see there our first grammatical item are reflexive adjectives and pronouns, reflexive pronouns and reflexive adjectives. Uh, a reflexive pronoun is one that does what its name indicates. It reflects the subject of the sentence. So for instance, if I said in Latin, laudo te, laudo, I praise, te, you, you would translate that simply, I praise you. If I said laudo me, you would have no trouble translating that. Laudo me means what? I praise me. Well, in English, we don't say I praise me. We say I praise myself. That me in that Latin sentence, or in English, myself, is a reflexive pronoun. It's reflecting back on the subject. So you already know the first and second persons of the reflexive. They're just like the personal pronouns. So I can say, laudo me, I praise myself. You can say, laudas te, you praise yourself. You can say, laudamus nos, we praise ourselves. Or you can say, laudatis vos, you praise yourselves, plural. But over at that third person, well, that's what we're learning today. The third person reflexive pronoun is shown there to you on uh, page 243. Uh, sui sibi se se. Notice it doesn't have a nominative because it always reflects the nominative, but it has the other, ob what we call the oblique cases. Sui sibi se se. And that's the same for singular or plural. So I can say, laudo me, I praise myself, laudas te, you praise yourself. And if I wanted to say, he praises himself, I would say, laudat se. If I wanted to say, they praise themselves, it would be laudant se. Same thing, singular and plural forms are the same. So that's simple, and, uh, but very important. And uh, there is an adjectival form, just like there are uh, adjectival forms of the other pronouns, for instance, meusaum for the first person, singular, and tuusaum for the second person, singular. The reflexive has its own uh, adjectival forms, and that those are suusaum, suusaum, decline like a first and second declension adjective. And again, when suisaum is used to modify something in a sentence, it reflects that it's the subject's possession. So uh, there are a couple examples on page 244. Let's take a look there. Um, hic diligit se. This man, hic diligit, loves se himself. So the se is reflecting the subject, right? Uh, notice the next one, he diligunt se. Now we have the feminine plural in the subject, 
these women, that's feminine and it's plural, nominative, these women love themselves. Notice the form se is the same because it's the same as singular and plural. It's the accusative. These women love themselves. Next one, he diligunt, diligunt suos fratres. He, these men, diligent, love. Now notice, suos fratres. Suos modifies fratres as a direct object in that sentence. <clears throat> but you know that the brothers involved here are the brothers of the subject, that they reflect the subject. These men love their own brothers. So that's how suos is used here in, as a reflexive. And take a look at the next one. He came, but his own people did not know him. Vainit, he came, said sui, his own people, referring to the subject uh, that was just mentioned, he, his own people, eum non cognovident, did not know him. Right? Now, um, notice that box, uh, it's important. Note that in this last example, sui, the reflexive adjective used substantively, that is like a noun, is in the nominative subject of its own sentence. A reflexive form has been used because it refers to the subject of the preceding clause. Eum, the object of cognoverunt, cognoverunt, I'm sorry, is not a reflexive because it does not refer to the subject of the sentence. So it's a different hymn, right, that we're talking about. Okay, now, Notice this next part, which is important. In English, he saw his brothers is ambiguous. Is his reflexive or not? Right? His brothers. He saw his brothers. In Latin, there is no ambiguity. Vidit fratres eus means he saw the brothers of that man. His brothers, some other his. Now, we used to say when I used to teach this... Cicero saw Caesar's brother, Aeus brothers, Aeus fratres. But notice, vidit suos fratres, he saw his own brothers. The use of suos outum is a reflexive and reflects whatever the subject is. If that, if that subject happened to be, if the subject of vidit in this practice sense happened to be a woman, say, Maria vidit suos fratres, you would translate that. Now, this is very important. Take note. Maria vidit suos fratres, it would mean Mary saw her own brothers. If it's a nominative, John saw his own brothers. And if it's plural, they saw their own brothers. In all of those instances, suos fratres would remain the same. So suos changes its meaning in, in a sense because it reflects the subject, whether it's singular or plural or masculine or feminine or neuter, okay? So that's how it's a reflexive adjective. Those things <clears throat> are not difficult. You'll see them. You'll, you'll, those words, uh, I don't think you'll have any trouble whatsoever with those. And it's an important part. I'm glad that Collins has finally introduced these because we could have used them a long time ago. So, uh, those are the reflexive pronouns and adjectives. Now, let's talk about the next point of grammar, which Collins labels six partly irregular adjectives. 
Now, what this means is that there are a group of adjectives, and he says six. There are actually uh, nine of them um, in, in Latin. I don't know why he doesn't mention all of them. Maybe the th three that he doesn't mention aren't used very much in ecclesiastical Latin. But there are nine adjectives in Latin. And they look in their nominative like bonus aum. But in their genitives and dative singular, they have a peculiar ending, like the ending in the uh, pronoun ile, ila, ilud. Remember that? Ile, ila, ilud. The genitive is ius, the dative is i. So when you take a look at the declension of one of these, unus, which means one, you have there it is at the bottom of your page, unus, una, unum, but then the genitive, instead of uni, une, uni, you have unius, unius, unius. And then in the dative, the same thing all the way across, uni, 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 and then you go back to the regular declensional endings, unum, unam, unum, uno, una, uno. Of course, one only has a singular, but the other adjectives like it have the plural, and the plural are absolutely regular. So there are nine of these adjectives that have this strange genitive and dative singular endings. The nine are able to be remembered if you remember the, the, the two words in Latin. Here's a mnemonic device for you. Unus nauta. Unus one nauta, N-A-U-T-A, sailor. One sailor. Remember unus nauta. Write that down um, going uh, from top to bottom. Unus nauta. And each of those uh, letters in the phrase unus nauta will have a corresponding adjective. And I will tell you what they are so you can remember these nine. Unus nauta. Here they are. Unus. The first one, the U, is unus. One. The second word uh, adjective for the N is nullus, N-U-L-L-U-S. That means none or not any. The third, the U in the word unus, is ulus, U-L-L-U-S, any. Okay? Okay, ulus. The, the fourth is in, begins with an S, is solus, S-O-L-U-S, which means alone, soul only. So unus, unus, the mnemonic device, the, th the four adjectives are unus, nullus, ulus, and solus. And solus, I'm sorry. Now, the word nauta, five more adjectives that have this strange genitive and dative ending in the singular, and the way you can remember them is by the word nauta. The words are neuter, N-E-U-T-E-R, which means neither, neither, neuter, N-E-U-T-E-R, neuter, neutra, neutrum, right? Okay, the A in nauta stands for alius, A-L-I-U-S, which means other, another, other or another. The U in nauta is for uter, U-T-E-R, uh, which means... Uh, Either or, uter, utra, either of two, usually, uter. And then totus for the T, T-O-T-U-S, which means all the whole. And the final A in nauta stands for alter, A-L-T-E-R, 
alter, altera, alterum, means the other of two. So if you remember unus nauta, you can remember the nine irregular adjectives that have these strange genitive and dative singular endings. It's not hard, uh, they're not hard, uh, it's not a hard point of grammar at all, just to remember that you can see that genitive in I-U-S and that dative in I. The most common of these words, of course, uh, is totus. Totus is a very common word. Alius, other, altera, uh, nullus. Those are very common. The others you won't see as much, but these are the nine. And if you remember unus, nauta, one sailor, you can remember all of the nine adjectives. Okay, that's that point of grammar. Uh, the next point of grammar that Collins presents in this unit is on page 245 in the middle of the page, comparison of adjectives. Now, we just learned the comparisons of, ad uh, I'm sorry, comparison of adverbs. We just learned the comparison of adjectives. Remember, we have a positive, a comparative, and a superlative degree of adjectives. Well, adverbs have the same three degrees. And... Um, the nice thing about adverbs is that uh, in Latin, there are very few words that, that fall into this category. Adverbs are not declinable. So once you know the form of an adverb, you know it. But um, they do, adverbs do have degrees. And so just like adjectives that have positive, comparative, and superlative degrees, adverbs have that also. Now you form a regular First and second declension adjective. Remember, adverbs are formed, just like they are in English, usually from adjectives. In, in English, we normally add an L-Y, um, right? Dear, dearly, right? Quick, quickly, and so on. Um, in Latin, for the adjectives of the first and second declension that end in U, us, a, um, they are normally formed in their positive degree by taking the base of the ad, uh, adjective, which you find from the genitive singular, uh, drop the ending, and there's your base, and add an E. So, um, for instance, as he shows you in uh, the example there, optus aum, which means suitable, opte means suitably, right? And, the, and for third declension ad, ad, adjectives, like suavis, suave, you add, instead of an E, you add an I-T-E-R, suaviter, suaviter. Now, the comparative degree of adverbs is quite simple. It's simply identical with the neuter accusative singular of the adjective. So, optius, and even for third declension, suavius. And remember, that means more suitably or more sweetly, and you do not decline adverbs. So if you want to say, he did this more suitably, you'd say optius, and um, it doesn't change. And then the superlative degree is quite simple. You take the superlative degree of the adjective, and you simply add, drop the ending, and add an E. So we have optissime and suavissime, and that means uh, most aptly, or most suitably, or most sweetly. So, these are the uh, degrees of adverbs. They're, it's quite simple. Remember, they're not declined. 
Now, as he told you in the box there where he presents some notes, um, exceptions occur, but only in the formation of the positive degree. And you're going to have, just like you have your regular adjectives, um, and the, many of the most common adjectives are the irregular ones, you're going to have irregular adverbs. Um, those that end in um, like tantum only or multum much, and those that end in o, merit, merit, merito, rightly, or those that end in e, bene, means well, male, poorly, and so on. Um, you'll get those in your, in your vocabulary, you'll see them, and you'll recognize that they are adverbs. Remember, adverbs are not declined. Um, he makes a note there, too, that novissime, remember we talked about that word, which means um, newest technically. Novissime, most recently, may, may mean finally or at last. Um, just as novissimus aum can mean final or last. And then the most important of the notes is number three. And this is an idiom in Latin. Quam, pay attention here, quam can be used with a positive or superlative degree of an adverb. Quam suaviter means how sweetly. But quam suavissime means as sweetly as possible. Quam plus the superlative of an adverb means as blank as possible. Quam plus the superlative of an adjective can mean as blank as possible if it's an adjective modifying a noun. Um, uh, so that idiom, quam plus the superlative, as blank as possible, very important. Uh, it will occur quite often in Latin. Okay. Now, we get to our final point of grammar in this lesson, and that's uh, on page 246. And this, in fact, is the most important point of grammar, the most uh, complicated and difficult, uh, and uh, the one that's very, very important for us going forward, because this represents a piece of grammar that is extremely common in Latin, and um, one that you'll need to know uh, in reading almost any Latin paragraph. And these are so-called cum clauses. Now, we know cum, the word cum, as a, as a preposition, cum plus the ablative means with. But there's another form of that word, cum, which comes from a slightly different formation. Um, at any rate, it looks exactly like uh, the cum preposition, but it's a subordinating conjunction. That means it will introduce a clause. And there are three types of cum clauses. We call them cum clauses. There's a cum temporal clause, a cum causal clause, and a cum concessive clause. Now, way back in Unit 13, Section 69, you can check that later, Collins introduced cum as a subordinating conjunction in a temporal clause. Cum plus an indicative verb is a pure temporal verb, a pure temporal clause, which stresses the time of something happening, right? A temporal clause in English is normally introduced by the subordinating conjunction when. A causal clause in English is usually introduced by the English word because or since. Either one of those are subordinating conjunctions 
uh, of uh, causal clauses, they, they tell the cause, uh, in English. And the concessive clause in English is usually the word although. So a cum clause in Latin can be temporal, causal, or concessive. And these clauses tell the circumstances under which the main verb functions. Now remember, you have another clause in Latin that was introduced to you a long time ago that does the same thing that cum clauses can do. You have the ablative absolute. Remember the definition that I gave you back then. An ablative absolute is a clause expressing time, cause, condition, or concession. So it tells it's a circumstantial clause. Another way of doing the ablative absolute or vice versa is to use a cum clause. Now, simply stated, cum will introduce one of these clauses. And when it is a cum circumstantial clause, it will take the subjunctive according to the sequence of tense chart that you learned several units ago. Now, if cum is expressing a temporal clause when and stressing only the time itself, just the, the, the basic time, that clause can be in the indicative, and it will be cum plus the indicative. We've had some of those clauses all along since unit 13. But if the intent of the author is by in that temporal clause to really em be emphasizing the circumstances of the when, then a subjunctive will be used. And in a cum causal and cum concessive clause, subjunctive is always used. Now when now there's a bit of a challenge here if you think about it in Latin, because once you see the cum plus the subjunctive, it can be one of three kinds of clauses. It can be a temporal, it can be a causal, or it could be a concessive clause. And you have to go almost by context of the paragraph and the sentence you're working in to figure out which of the clauses is being uh, is operative here. There's one exception. There's a big hint for a cum concessive clause. And that is that very often in a cum concessive clause, the main sentence of that clause will have the word tamen, although, or nevertheless. Uh, although something, 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 nevertheless. Although it's raining outside, nevertheless, we will go to the park. Right? That's a cum concessive clause, although. And, and the tamen, which means nevertheless in Latin, is often in a concessive clause. And that will give you the hint that will say, ah, yes, this is a cum concessive clause. I should translate the cum as although. So let's take a look at the examples on page 246 of these uh, temporal, causal, and concessive cum clauses. Okay. Cum Jesus turbam docerit, quidam eum accesit. Right? Now, under the circumstances, when Jesus was teaching, notice doceret, doceret is the subjunctive, isn't it? When Jesus was teaching the crowd, quidam eum accesit, a certain man approached him. 
Now, take a look at how the sequence of tense works here because your sequence of tense chart back several units ago is operative here. The main verb, the main sentence is quidam eum accessit, right? A certain person, a certain man approached him. Under what circumstances? Cum Jesus turbam doceret. Now notice, doceret is in the imperfect subjunctive. And if you remember your, your sequence of tense chart, Accessit is perfect tense, so we're in the secondary sequence. We're in the bottom half of the chart. To show um, the contemporaneous <clears throat> or subsequent time to the main verb in that sequence of tense, we need to use the imperfect subjunctive, and that's what we have here. So when Jesus was teaching the crowd, a certain man approached him. These actions are roughly simultaneous, therefore Latin uses the imperfect subjunctive. Now let's take a look at a causal clause. Cum vir eset Felix, pray gaudio clamavit. Since the man was happy, he shouted for joy. Now the main verb, he shouted, clamavit, is secondary, right? So you're in the bottom half of the chart, you're in secondary sequence. He shouted for joy. Under what circumstances? Because he was happy. Now, theoretically, you could maybe translate that. When the man was happy, he shouted for joy. Um, it's possible because maybe every time this man gets happy, he shouts for joy. If that's the case, you don't know. You have to go by context. But um, probably here, by context, he shouted for joy the cause since he was happy or because he was happy. Okay. And then we have a concessive example. Cum viri male haberent, laborare tamen non desierent. Now the main verb is desierent. Non desierent. They did not cease to work. They did not stop to work. Tamen, nevertheless. So when that tamen's there, you can rest assured the cum clause is going to be a cum concessive. So, although the men haberent male were literally holding badly. Remember, that's an idiom that means they didn't feel good. They were sick. Although the men were sick, were not feeling well, they did not cease working. They did not, nevertheless, they did not stop working. Um, it wouldn't make much sense to say um, as a causal clause there, if we didn't have the tamen as a causal clause, because the men were ill, they did not cease working. It could be, if you didn't have the tamen, you could construe it as a temporal clause, couldn't you? Um, when the men were ill, they did not stop working. But when that tamen is expressed, you can be sure that, that's, uh, that Latin is trying to express to you a cum concessive clause, which means conceding uh, with the English subordinating conjunction, although. Okay, so the cum clauses are very important. They follow the rule of the sequence of tense. They take the subjunctive. Cum can take the indicative in a temporal clause when it's stressing merely the time aspect. But if it's a temporal circumstantial aspect, it will also uh, govern the subjunctive.
Okay, so that is your uh, lesson in a nutshell. It's uh, very straightforward today, not very difficult. The most important thing in this one is, of course, the cum clause, um, but we have the comparison of adverbs, which are quite simple to form. You have a few of these irregular adjectives, nine of them, unus nauta, if you remember that acrostic. Um, you can remember all of the adjectives that are formed like that in the genitive and dative in that irregular fashion. And uh, importantly, the reflexive adjectives and pronouns, suis aum and sui sibi se se. So that's, uh, that's great. And um, you have quite a few vocabulary words there on page 246 and 247 for your homework. I'd like us to work on the drills of both reflexive and cum clauses on page 249. So under drills, uh, numbers one, Roman numerals number one and two, do all of those, uh, the 10 under the reflexives and the five under the cum clauses. And then for your exercises, get your pen ready. Uh, I'm going to name, uh, read off the numbers of the sentences that I want you to do. Ready? Here we go. Number one, two, five, nine, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, twenty-one, twenty-six, twenty-nine, thirty-two, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-nine, forty-one, forty-six, forty-eight, forty-nine, fifty, fifty-one. 52, 53. I'll read those one more time to make sure you got them. 1, 2, 5, 9, 12, 13, 14, 15, 21, 26, 29, 32, 35, 36, 39, 41, 46, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53. And for our reading, Let's do number one, the calling of the first apostles from the Gospel of Mark. The calling of the first apostles. So uh, you see that Collins has greatly increased the number of uh, sentences in the exercise. He's up to 54. Uh, we're doing about half of those simply because I'm picking the ones that are most illustrative of the grammar that we've just covered and that are uh, the least confusing and strange, the, the, the better ones, I think, that give you better practice. Um, of course, you may do all of them um, for more practice. And uh, if you have questions on the ones that we are not assigned, don't hesitate to ask. I'll be glad to help you. Just send me an email. The same goes for reading number two. We won't assign that as... Um, required homework, but if you want to go over that and do that yourself from the Gospel of Matthew, please do so. And again, if you have any questions on um, anything that we don't do uh, on our recordings, don't hesitate to ask. I'll be glad to fill in for you uh, and answer any, any questions that you have. Um, well, that concludes our lesson today. Um, we're moving quite a, right along. We're only a few, really a handful of lessons from the completion of all our grammar. So take heart. You're doing well. Keep at it. And we'll be back again uh, midweek sometime with uh, uh, another recording.
going over this homework. Have a great day. God bless. Bye-bye.